Hi, everyone. Um, we're doing a special uh, episode today. This is, uh, sh we're reading dirty books. And with us, we have our author of this episode's book, Esther Rabbit. Hi, Esther. Hi, guys. So, and just yeah, for everyone who's listening, we are doing this recording uh, via Skype, which is our first time using Skype. So, well, it's going to sound a little bit different than our other episodes, but uh, we're excited because Esther wanted to, you know, join us and we get to talk about her book, Lost in Amber. Yep. Right. So, um, to start off all of our, I'm Silet, by the way. Oh, and I'm Kalina. <laughs> and uh, we start off a lot of our episodes with a quickie, so we wanted to introduce that to Esther. And um, we're going to ask you, Esther, if you are an early bird or a night owl. I, we, we thought it, maybe it was a appropriate because of our time difference. So yeah. um, we thought <laughs> yeah. we'd ask you first if you were an early bird or a night owl. Uh, well, definitely early bird. I mean, definitely. I do all my morning work properly before I can relax or do anything else. So um, your listeners should probably know that it's 11 a.m. for you <laughs> and 7 p.m. for me because I'm now <laughs> I'm now in Spain. So it it's amazing. So if you're if you've ever been to Spain, give it another shot and mm -hmm. visit someplace else. If you haven't come to Spain, it's great. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Great. So yeah, early bird. Yeah. How about you guys? I'm an early bird. Uh, when possible, I I mean, mostly it's a function of I don't sleep very well. So why stay in bed <laughs> when you're not asleep? So, you know, I work four 10 hour days at my office job and it, I go in at six because it's just I'd rather be there early and get everything out of the way before anyone even comes to the oh, office. Wow. And then you still have energy for this. <laughs> yeah. Power to you. Wonderful. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it does. It does take a lot of energy. I am definitely a night owl. Yeah. I am not much of a morning person. No, you're um, not good in the morning. <laughs> no, I am not very friendly in the morning. That's when I don't have friends is in the morning. But that's when I always check and reply to all my emails because I can be very candid and very straight point and say, look, because later on I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm real sorry I said that. But um, I mean, I was up till two o'clock this morning and then I went to bed and woke up five hours later. So that's uh, my fault. Um, oh, wow. But five hours sleep. <laughs> not bad, eh? It's uh it's not so bad. It's just I've got I've got five year old twins, so they kinda keep me on my feet and I oh, really wow. should stay more rested. But yeah, I don't stay till twice. No, don't stay <laughs> That's a choice you made. That is, it's all me. <laughs> so like first off, I just wanted to thank you guys for giving Lost in Amber a shot. I mean, I know it's not necessarily the dirty format because <laughs> you know but hopefully it has a nice developing romance for the readers, oh, yeah. you know? It's, it's definitely a romance. I think it straddles the line romance steamy um, mm -hmm. because some, like, some of the scenes with Jasper and Zoe are more steamy. They don't, you know, there's not full-fledged sex scenes, but that's okay. It's getting there. It's moving in the direction. And yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. We, we liked it. And uh, we've read some books that have been more on that, like, because... I think it was even your, it was your blog that did the three, yeah, the, the three differences, romance, romance steamy, steamy, and erotica. And erotic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so what's, what's romantic, steamy, and erotic for you guys? I mean, <laughs> I think 
you really well define them with the romance is more the interpersonal relationship and as it builds between characters and you get those flutterings of like like stirrings of desire and mm-hmm. and need to be together and then like steamy is when you move into you know like physical descriptions of touching and 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 you know all the different bases before you get to sex and sex and then erotica is where it's that kinky. really kind of drives the story if yeah. there's a, a story. The you know? motion of the ocean. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And there is necess- yep. not necessarily as much story development in, in the books that are more just erotica. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lost in Amber really does fall into the, the romance scene more for me. And while we do enjoy a lot of the dirty books that we do read, I really appreciated the romance part of like the story you're building between Zoe and Jasper because I love romance books and while mm-hmm. I love still reading about sex and the seeminess of it I do love character development and the beginning parts of two characters falling in love so yeah. it's I love Jasper yeah. oh I love Jasper I love Jasper oh my- a lot <laughs> Thank you. I love Jasper too. We're we're gonna start a fan club. <laughs> Thank you. No, I actually made Jasper because I was combing Pinterest for the best blonde male character, the hottest, oh, yeah. and then I found this guy called Christopher Mason. Mm-hmm. Maybe okay. you've heard of him. No. If you haven't, please Google him right now. He's a model. <laughs> okay. He's been- yeah, he's been in one of Selena Gomez's videos, I think, right? And he's he's a, an international model, very sexy, but he is so Jasper, super perfect. So I printed out his picture and had it by my laptop as I was writing and describing and doing the whole character development and nice. doing the whole steamy bit. That is awesome. Nice. Yeah, we always, we often with um, a lot of the characters we read, we kind of develop and Mason. Um, like, I like to picture cartoons or celebrities that I think are really oh, wow. or, or um, that I have crushes on or whatever. And Kalina likes to build her own, which is, you know, they're they're both perfect, obviously perfectly fine, but we, uh, oh. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that's Jasper. So, that is Jasper. So you're seeing Christopher Mason, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. we just yeah, we just Google. <laughs> you're gonna have to give you us a I I mean, isn't he? Yeah, he's just perfect, right? That's to a T, almost exactly what I thought. Oh, wow, I think some of nice. these are a little scruffier. I have Jasper exactly. being a little more clean cut, especially with all the waistcoats. Yeah, waistcoats. Waistcoats. You know what? I am embarrassed to say I had to Google what a waistcoat was after. <laughs> I think it's um, it's a little. It's, it's a difference older, in English, like, right? It's more. It's more used in British English waistcoat, and we use I vest. Mean, in- I mean, the vest is more a of a knitted product, mm-hmm. and the waistcoat is more like let's say of a couture thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So okay. the waistcoat is tends to be more couture, whereas the vest tends to be more casual. Okay. Usually mm. in okay. fashion. I one of my friends is a fashion designer, so we had extensive talks oh, about nice. vests <laughs> versus the waistcoat. <laughs> I I love it. Yeah. I think it's such a defining character and I can absolutely see him wearing the waistcoat. <laughs> Oh man, that's good. 
I mean, um, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna see why in, if you liked it enough to read Found in Amber, which is the, the second, uh, installment, I mean, you're gonna see why he had a thing for waistcoats. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Is that one out yet? Or is that coming out? Uh, not, not yet. Not yet. I'm, okay. I'm still working on it. I'm still working on it. It's a, it's, it's hard work. Oh, it's I hard work. It. Yes. Yeah. Because we're we're all doing the three of us are doing all of this because of our great love for books, for reading, for writing, for everything. Yeah. But we still have our daily superhero <laughs> cape on, right? And we Absolutely. still go to work, and we <laughs> we still try to have a resemblance of a life. Well, I don't personally, <laughs> but but it does tend to get difficult because I'm um I'm a digital marketing specialist. Okay, and okay. that means nerdy stuff basically mm-hmm. a lot of nerdy stuff I'm all for it. <laughs> <laughs> i think that's so awesome it's important to be able to escape into a different reality um whether you're reading or writing to i don't know maybe or just sanity or something in yeah to have something a hobby or a, a passion that's outside uh-huh. of of work outside yeah. of or even outside of a family, because, yeah. you know, it's something that's just for you, mm-hmm. for you to do. For us, it's our podcast, you know. It's a good, I, yeah, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's not that's a, cool. it's not a full-time anything yet. Yeah, so. not nope. anything yet. You or... gotta squeeze it in with everything else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so let's ask our first question with, uh, mm-hmm. for you. Um, we really like to see what it is that our, uh, authors that we're interested in, that we're reading about what their interests are as far as their own writings and readings and stuff. So besides writing romance novels, do you also read them? Is there a series that you like to read? I mean, I think I should start by defining paranormal romance. Oh, thank you. Cause I don't know. <laughs> Of course, you you know a lot, but <laughs> no, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that sarcastically. We had a discussion about whether it's paranormal, or supernatural. We actually don't really know. <laughs> I mean, because every single time I speak about it, I I kind of feel like I need to explain it because I got a lot of questions. Okay, because you see, friends of mine uh, and you know literary buddies said that okay, when they they hear the word paranormal. They think ghost stories and haunted houses and all that. And Mm -hmm. paranormal, basically, if one or more of your characters have any supernatural ability, something out of this world, any powers that are not, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. usual. So that falls into the paranormal category. You Mm -hmm. add the romance factor to that and boom, you got a paranormal romance. Which, for example, Twilight, Bella, and Edward is a perfect example of paranormal romance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, because the focus is, you know, somebody with abilities Mm -hmm. and also a love story. So you got paranormal romance. Mm -hmm. So I do like reading everything, a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. Fantasy, urban fantasy as well. Astrophysics. Ooh. as well i've been doing a lot of research for lost in amber mm-hmm. as well i like sci-fi i like stephen king as well he doesn't bullshit he's mm-hmm. one of my favorite people mm-hmm. because of this he mm-hmm. does not bullshit mm-hmm. yeah and i do understand why so many people love him myself included mm-hmm. and what are some of your favorite i love romance i am such a sucker for for romance i like to dabble in writing myself i'm not very good at it <laughs> 
but mm-hmm. I do. I'll, I'll have a scene. I'll have a dream or something, and I'll I'll think it up, and I'll just have to write it down. So I'll write it down. Um, but romance is probably my favorite. But I do love mystery and suspense thrillers. Beautiful. I How read, about you? I read everything. Uh, yeah, fiction, nonfiction, romance, uh, mystery, thrillers, Ugh, sci-fi. I love sci-fi. I read a lot of sci-fi. But yeah, I, pretty much yeah, anything. And I do a lot of it audiobook. Because I, like I said, I work in an office 10 hours a day, four days a week. And there's, most of my job is numbers based. I do a lot of accounting and and, uh, business stuff. So I have to have something going on that's uh, different. And so I'll I'll listen to audiobooks all day and I can do any of them. I love, yeah, pretty much any book. (laughs) I don't have any, any genre that I've come across yet that I've been like, oh, I can't read it. I don't read a lot of self-help, I guess. Those ones tend to bother me. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I have I'm like, a, I know this. No, I know, I know. It. That's where the stubbornness in us comes Yeah, that's out. where I just we, am like, you don't have to tell we me. We have it in our Kindle. So my husband, Daniel, and I share a Kindle account. And mm-hmm. he's like, every time I open up my Kindle, all I see are naked guys on the front cover. And I'm like, well, all I see is real estate and self-help books. So we're even here. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. He does see more of a just yes. like, mm-hmm. yeah. He's like, I can't. That's true. Don't download it. It only shows up if you download it. Are you downloading them? And he's like, oh, I don't have to download them. No, you don't have to download them. <laughs> That's so funny. All right. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it's um, great that you bring up sci-fi because this is actually... It's a little sci-fi. It's, it's sci-fi-ish, and it's our first sci-fi. Yeah, we haven't had any. We had one mention of sort of an alien, and yeah, that was that was a it, it weird was, one. <laughs> yeah, it was a weird one. It was, a, it was apparently a vampires come from aliens. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that was one of the. I mean. I know, I get, you know, within the paranormal romance, so you have the vampires, the shapeshifters, they're working really well for the readers, that some way, somehow, not everyone is as attracted to aliens. Mm -hmm. So the idea behind Lost in Amber is actually interplanetary politics. Mm -hmm. Basically, a former ambassador gone wrong upon being dispatched to Earth. And so he started genetically modifying human DNA. Hence, you know, all these superpowers people got in the book mm-hmm. and so many casualties later, mm-hmm. Zoe re- resurfaces and so on. So this whole idea of Lost in Amber for me, it started when I went to a wedding of astrophysicists in Spain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, the bride and groom were astrophysicists. And so we, we all, yeah, we all started talking about planets and aliens and the Hubble telescope and how, how do they name planets and how do they discover them and how, and by the end of the evening, it just blossomed, <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. and about a year later it was done. So wow. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm very excited. I still have lots to learn, but I'm very excited. Yeah. Well, yeah. we really liked it. I thought it was, you know, it's good for us to have different stories. Like we've read quite a few werewolves and quite a few vampires and it's really fun to get a book that's like, Hey, we're not going to do that. We're going to do yeah. something completely different. Yeah. Are and you grossed I, out by aliens? No, no. I love oh, the, right? especially when you got into the discussion of 
and I forget the word, but the idea that life has been seeded across the uh, universe. So that would explain. This is the panspermia theory. Yeah, that's what it is. So it would explain why we might encounter life similar genetic, like genetically to us, because it like could have been seeded instead of just naturally created. So that was interesting. And I wasn't grossed out by the aliens. I wasn't. I what I like. They seemed, you know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they were, they were enough, like, humanoid enough that it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It was not like Shape of Water. Yeah. No, exactly. It was not a fish man. (laughs) Exactly. So it's, so girl to girl here, Shape of Water, so acclaimed, so wonderful, so popular. Mm -hmm. And then I went and I watched it and I was completely grossed out. It was beautiful. (laughs) I mean, I like the idea of the female main character not being some sort of a Hollywood beauty. I like that. Mm -hmm. I I appreciate that. But when you see the fish, if only he looked more like a man than like a fish. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I agree. I didn't like the movie. (laughs) You do have to have some type of something to pull in your... uh, Yeah. <laughs> or to pull in your audience, like you want to be attracted to the love interests, you know. I think we so. like your Jasper <laughs> is a beautiful person. That that is relatable. That's that's something that us as readers want to fall into, to fall in love with. I mean, I don't want to discriminate against Fishman, but sorry, dude, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I think you. that was too far. It was a step too far. Like even on or, on the shows or like maybe we're just not ready for it. We're just <laughs> well, I mean, even on like Star Trek and some of those shows where there's more of that interspecies like alien romances can happen, they're still very human esque. Yeah, you know, the, yeah. the characters still, even with all the heavy mm-hmm. makeup and whatever, are still made to look mostly human. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, mm-hmm. that's weird. <laughs> I don't know. That's a different. <laughs> We're, yeah, we're just not there yet. Maybe as we develop and cross into type yeah. the type one planet. Yeah, but I'm totally fine. Oh my god, you have yeah. done your homework. Oh, I read type one most. planet. Oh my god. She's... Yeah, so that, that's not me. Yes, that's that's Nikolai Kardashev mm-hmm. and his development scale, which is fantastic and has been around forever. Mm-hmm. Basically, he came up with three stages of development for civilization planets, societies, so on and so forth. So when you get to stage one, uh, you basically can harness all the energy your planet can offer from all its resources and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And then when you move to stage two, you start expanding, you know, somewhere around Mm -hmm. your planet and, and exploiting those resources for your own advantage. So technically Jasper's planet is somewhere on scale four, Okay. Which means basically, I, I I think I based all my shit <laughs> on the European Union. No, yeah. <laughs> no I united, like right? Yeah. United countries for for common benefits. So united planets for intergalactic benefits. So. I really, yeah, and I kind of wanted to bring that up with the topic of sci-fi. Uh, there's been a more recent modern discussion about sci-fi being utopian versus dystopian and you know from the 70s on we hit a period of time where a lot of sci-fi was very dystopian you started to see the you know darker the future is a dangerous and dark and bad place Mm -hmm. and the humans are trying to survive it pre-70s i think 
I think that's mm-hmm. when the switch happened is when a lot of sci-fi was very utopian, where things were yeah. a lot better in the future. We had a vision of a great, bright future for humanity, you know, across the stars. And I thought your book fit much more into that utopian sci-fi genre and there's a lot of talk about how we need to make that shift again like maybe we've written too much dark dystopian fantasy or like (laughs) sci-fi and now we're living in a dark dystopian world and do we need to bring back that utopian idea that the future does have an ability to be better Mm -hmm. I mean just the idea of you know more developed planets existing somewhere in the universe and sending an ambassador to all primitively developed planets like ours to, you know, basically take notes on the development and make sure we reach the necessary evolutionary scale. Just that idea is very cool Mm -hmm. by itself. And I think it's not, I wouldn't discard it, you know, I Mm -hmm. wouldn't think, I wouldn't dismiss the idea of that ever being possible because, you know, if I haven't seen it, it doesn't mean it's not there. (laughs) And that's pretty cool. I mean, do you guys believe in aliens? I assume there is life across the universe. It would be really absurd, I think, if the whole universe existed and this planet just was us. the only one with life on it. Uh, I just can't fathom. You know, I guess it could be possible, but it just seems ridiculous. So I assume somewhere out there there's life, whether it's anything we could even imagine is, I think, up for debate. Like, it's very easy that there could be all kinds of life forms taking on, you know, silicon base or all, anything. It doesn't have to be Earth style. Like, uh-huh. life didn't have to only be created this way. And I don't know that there's necessarily... Like, out, the distances are so big that it have to be something like the portaling you have in your book before I think life could actually meet itself or meet other life. Because the universe is just massive. The size scale is unbelievable. Yeah. And the idea of ships, you know, so it'd have to either be interdimensional travel or, mm-hmm. you know, wormholes or some kind of portaling if we were ever to actually anything. meet. Anything. Yeah. Anything but fish, man. I, <laughs> I like at the end of one of the uh, Men in Black without Will Smith, where at the end they were panning out the earth scene and we were just the marble. Like the universe was just yeah. the marble for an I alien playing that. marbles with us. And it's just like... That brings out so much, like, there's just so much more perspective out there that we just don't know about and we can't even think of. Well, and that's just so. one universe. Then you yeah. get into the multiverse. Then you get into the other universes. Yeah, so. <laughs> String theory and you're like, okay, everything's real confusing. <laughs> there could be life all kinds of places, so. Yeah, yeah I assume there's life somewhere. Mm-hmm. I just don't know that we'll meet it. I don't, honestly, I don't want to, but I'm, that's me. I'm scared of everything, <laughs> but I'm scared of everything. Uh <laughs> Oh, Maybe we should get back to the romance. Yeah. <laughs> <No. That's laughs> Happy, scary. fluffy. Well, um, I actually, uh, I think this is really neat that you bring it up. Um, that uh, did you have? Did you find it difficult? I mean, obviously, you found your interest in what you wanted to write about. You had these characters that you built. Did you find that difficult putting them together? And what, did it take a lot of time for you to come up with the plot for this book? Oh, absolutely. I'm a total cancer. So when when I started writing the book, I did not know where it would take me okay. at all. So it was every day, it was a different direction. And but then it kind of came together. I can't explain it, but it was very fluid. It was very mm-hmm. natural. I do not know why everything happened naturally. Mm-hmm. It was not planned. I, I had like the faintest idea that I wanted to write something intergalactic. So mm-hmm. I had to do a lot of astronomy research and then just the research alone took me into one direction or another so 
I think that was and it's fundamental for any writer mm-hmm. research. Yes. And the romance was nice. I, I discovered I actually liked writing it. Yeah. So yeah. I'm probably going to get steamier and steamier. <laughs> no. Well, that's good. Well, that is good. That actually you answered one of our questions we had is in um, your plans for future books in these series is if we're actually, because we as a podcast like to read the dirty. I mean, we love the romance, obviously, but we also yeah. talk about the sex scenes and sometimes we get into, you know, just different discussions about it. But but do you have plans on writing? Um... I'm not ready. I'm not ready to get very graphic. Mm-hmm. I'm. I'm not ready. I don't feel I'm ready to get very graphic. I do admire writers who can do it well, mm-hmm. because it is a thin, thin line from sexy, erotic to plain. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sure. You know. Mm-hmm. So I I do admire them a lot, and I wish I could you know learn how to do that gracefully. But I'm not gonna get very graphic for mm-hmm. the time being, at least. And I don't probably a bit more, but not over the top. Sure. Yeah. And I don't necessarily think that it's like a necessary thing to write these kind of books. I, I think the we've had varying different yeah <laughs> styles because you'll come across authors who will create a sex scene without using any explicit words, mm-hmm. and you'll know exactly what's going on, but there are no real explicit eh. sex yeah. words used. Mm-hmm. And then you'll have ones that are just like, I'm going to use all of it's the It's erotica. Words. It's everything. And they can both be done well. Yeah. So, I can, you know. I can probably tell you when Jasper and Zoe are going to be getting it on, you're, mm-hmm. you'll know it happens. It's not going <laughs> like, to be rushed or no, no, you're no. going to be there. Yeah. It will happen. I appreciate the slow romance. It makes me think of a, like a TV show that I'm really into, and it's about the budding romance between the two main characters. So, Well, I, I like also it. I think it's important for this book, because Jasper is not human, we get a character, especially it's very unusual for the male character to be as unsure of himself um, and just like cautious. Like usually in a lot of romance books, the main character, the male, is... He's the vampire, he's the werewolf or something, and he's very alpha and very take chargey. And like, well, Jasper does that in his job as ambassador. He is not as a, like, he's trying to figure out human emotions Mm -hmm. and where Zoe's coming from and like if he's doing things right or wrong. And so that was very, I really liked that because it was very chaste and very like beginning romance. Like just like, Mm -hmm. this is growing because neither character, she's still hurting from... James. James and all of this. So I, I really liked it. I liked that he was unsure and he kept looking at her face to try to make sure he was doing things well. And yeah. and that's important because as an alien, he wouldn't have a background in in knowing human <laughs> relationships and human sexuality. The, mm-hmm. So yeah, he the needs protocol. to... Yeah. So I really liked that. I thought it made sense I, for the character and it's a good different male character than we're used to. Yeah, definitely. We usually get the really like domineering sometimes alpha, too much too much <laughs> sometimes lots of jealousy and lots of you know and jasper's still trying to discover himself as a quote-unquote human <laughs> he's an yeah. alien but he's in the you know with with human he, he is beings. having feelings for an unexpected someone yeah mm-hmm. yeah and stuff that his training and his you know enhancements shouldn't allow or shouldn't you know that he should be able to fight against and he's finding it hard not to so yeah i liked it i thought it was great i think both zoe and jasper are kind of similar that way mm-hmm. so they're both kind of insecure 
It's not oh, like yeah. maybe she's more daring at the beginning than she than he is. She, oh, she, yeah, yeah. She almost seems a little bit like um, maybe, she's and more, well, she's a little bit more like you know she was the one who unbuttoned his shirt and or his waist, waist waistcoat, yeah, yeah. <laughs> his waistcoat, <laughs> um, you know. And so she was a little bit more not aggressive but taking charge, assertive, assertive at first, mm-hmm. and you know. So and he was a little bit more that was like, wait a minute, that's definitely a turn in characters we've never had. Yeah, I am good. super flattered. Oh mm-hmm. my god, it's good. <laughs> So, yeah. I'm just shaking my tail feathers that you can't see. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that last battle scene, you have a really yeah. good description of where it's taking place. Is that an actual place in Spain? Like, oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Pamplona. The last battle takes place on Paseo Sarasate, okay. uh, which is like a promenade. And it's really pretty. I've been to Pamplona. Pamplona is this wonderful, wonderful small town in the north of Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, it's known for the bull run. Maybe mm-hmm. you've heard of it, mm-hmm. right? The bull yeah. run. So the bull run happens over there. We're not fans of the bull run. We don't like animal cruelty. Sure. That's not for us. Mm-hmm. But it is a beautiful place. And just like, you know, the rest of Spain, the gastronomy, the people, the places, it's very green, it's very beautiful. Pamplona looks like a magical place. And I think it's it's one of my favorite places in Spain, definitely, okay, definitely. Cool. Let's go to Spain. You've been. Yes. I. Uh, where, where have you been? <laughs> a couple of years ago, a friend and I, we flew into Barcelona and re- rented a car and drove all through like the south, like... We did Barcelona, Valencia. Um, I'm in Valencia now. Okay, yeah, we liked Valencia. <laughs> uh, where did we go? We did not go to Madrid. So we did like the southern edge and then into, I forget. That one's real We pretty. went to a lot of cities <laughs> and then we, we drove into Let's, Portugal. So we did the whole like coast and then up beautiful. into Portugal up to Lisbon. So what's the city on the river? That's not helpful. There's all, all the cities are in. <laughs> no. Alparca? <laughs> you no, had to I'm say sorry. that moment. <laughs> I used the city on the river. Oh, man. I loved It was one of my favorites. Shoot. I don't know. But no, I liked Spain a lot. Alparca? Uh, no. I'm sorry. No. I'll, I'll think about it. No. If I don't think it about it, it'll come to me. It doesn't matter. Pamplona is beautiful. If you yeah. ever, ever, if you're ever in the north of Spain, check it out. It's great. And yeah. I thought it's, it would be like a tribute because I spend, I spend a lot of time in Spain. I spend winter here and I spend, I'm a, I've been a perpetual nomad for quite some time now. Okay. Um, and I'm at that age where I can actually travel the world, see everything and still work because I work remotely. So I'm mm-hmm. lucky enough to, to be able to <sighs> work awesome. and travel. That's great. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. And it's not all great because you do get the itchy feet and you <laughs> you can't stay put. Yeah. Exactly. Because you, you cannot, you feel like, okay, it's run its course now off to the next destination and the next destination. And it's, it's like that. And it's beautiful. It's tiring. You get friends everywhere, <laughs> uh, but you will never have them all together in the same place at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I think this is the heartbreak of being a nomad for so long. Yeah. Oh, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of friends, the three main characters, three main women characters in your book, Zoe, Sam, and Emma, are very close and pretty awesome ladies. 
Are they based on anybody in your life? Are they friends you have or, or are they yourself? <laughs> I think, for example, Zoe, let's take Zoe. Okay. Uh, I made Zoe after Rachel, my best friend. Mm-hmm. And I think Zoe is Rachel, basically. Because Rachel used to be a teacher. She speaks Korean. <laughs> She's a vegetarian. <laughs> So I kind of, you know, made Zoe like Rachel Mm -hmm. and Sam and Emma are a cocktail of my other girlfriends, basically. Cool. Yeah. I think they're all cool. And it's Lost and Amber is about girl power mostly. Mm -hmm. And I do love the girl power just as much as I love the boy power. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's, it's great. The sisterhood and friendship and that's a big part of Lost in Amber. Yeah, I appreciated that. That was probably one of my favorite parts about the underlying theme throughout the whole thing. And not just between the three, but even with Lilu and Mia, when you get to meet them a little bit later, it's just a bunch of girls kicking ass. Like There's just Jasper and Alex, just those two, that's it, in this group of girls. And and then you've got like, I'm sorry, Alina and... Gerard. 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 Yeah, which are the like the silent assassins or whatever, but um yeah. but you get oh, this, I love her. <laughs> you get this really strong sense of girl power. Like I always feel so empowered when I come out of the movie theater and I just watch like Charlie's Angels or Oceans Eight Eight. Mm-hmm. Like I just like I'm a badass woman like all of those women. So to write characters so strong in you know, as a female is just so I appreciate it and I really liked it. Well, and they all like they saved each other and they didn't need I mean we aren't there yet because you know spoiler alert this, <laughs> the book doesn't the book continues it does. <laughs> so there, we have more to learn mm-hmm. about how everything mm-hmm. ends up but it seems like Rufus wants to try to save Mia but at the end it's the girls that save each other and yeah. save themselves and I love that storyline because again a lot of what we read sometimes you know the men have to come and save the day it's starting to change I think a lot of romance, more current romance, is being written with these feminist storylines where we don't always need men to save us. But at the end of the day, these are fantasies, and sometimes it's okay to read a fantastical book where you the princess gets saved by the prince. But I mean, if you ask me personally, <laughs> we need all sorts of heroines. I mean, we need mm-hmm. all sorts of women. Mm-hmm. We need the Bellas, and we need the... Catnesses of the world and we need we need all of them i think there's beauty in variety absolutely i do i've read a lot of negative reviews on novels saying this is a worthless hero and it's like the the main character is worthless or i mean do you want xena the warrior princess like every single time (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. the damsel in distress has a purpose as well Mm -hmm. and the warrior princess does and just the beauty is in the variety yeah Mm -hmm. all the time and i i i kind of like that i kind of like that it's much more closer to life yeah you know there's no one way to be the correct woman you know there's no one right answer there's you know you're you have to follow your own path and and pick it and you know be the best you and sometimes that's going to be strength and sometimes it's not but i like it because that's life there's variety of 
people. And so reading characters that span that variety Mm -hmm. is important. That's very cool. Did you have a favorite? Well, you know what? This could sort of tie into our kiss and tell. So this is the one of the segments that we do and we like to ask during our interviews. Um, yeah. The question of kiss and tell. So the kiss and tell is just a, it's a question that we ask ourselves in our, uh, the person that we've got on our show, something personal about themselves. So our kiss and tell for this episode is going to be which of the three ladies out of Zoe, Emma, and Sam do you think you relate to most? So, do you want to... I'm, it's easy, I'm Emma. <laughs> I knew it! I knew there's it's just, there's written, no question. It's, just, it's written all over you, girl. I know, I was all very, over. it was very easy. I was like, oh, that's, uh, that's me. You that's, clicked. Yeah, that's who I pictured through the whole thing, too. I was like, I'm not going to say Emma, I'm going to say Kalina. Because, <laughs> yeah, I felt very, very similar, you know, someone who's very organized and planned and everything's like put all together. her pencils are sharpened all of them yeah. are sharpened and everything i do have one difference my my wardrobe's not beige it's all black <laughs> well there you have it there you go. so we're different in some way <laughs> and i do love yoga pants and she didn't seem to like them very she much but really other than that yeah i really i really related to emma i felt like even in the story of her divorce with her you know, the very beginning where all of the girls are going through Oh my breakups. God, when she smacked Frank. When she smacked shoe. Frank with the shoe. But, you mm-hmm. know, even her her story of not wanting children and like having to defend herself on that because I have no kids and I don't want kids and it's not part of my life. And sometimes, you I mean, we're... Oh, sister, that makes two of us. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it is something that you have to defend a lot. You know, there's a lot of times where people will ask you and you have to explain. And, and we shouldn't have to. It should just be, that's a personal choice mm-hmm. and everyone gets to make it. You don't have to have kids. But her being defensive about it and needing to explain why she's chosen not to have kids is this, you know, it's a conversation I've had numerous times with different people where it's like, look, it's just not something I want and I don't have to tell you, you know, so I, I really related to Emma a lot. So I liked her and, and she well, came through and saved the day and kicked back in, the, in <laughs> with more shoes, <laughs> more shoes. <She's> yeah. Badass. <laughs> so that was awesome. Yeah. I That's saw true. myself relating a little bit, I think mostly to Zoe. But I, I definitely have some Sam aspects. She's Sam mostly is, to Zoe. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's a uh, so I think there's a lot of innocence in Sam, or I'm sorry, in Zoe, which is uh, that's not me. I'm not really innocent, but I am naive in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, I do fall into that that category a You're lot. Of, gullible. I'm very. <laughs> I'm very trusting. Yes. I mean, it's not, not a bad thing. Yeah. I just, it's a good That's gullible. a wonderful thing. I try, yes. I try to find the best in people. And I really just try to be, while I'm an, an introvert, I mean, both of us, Kalina and I are, you wouldn't think that while we're having a podcast, but <laughs> but that's why we have a podcast because we sit in our own room and discuss just between us ourselves. Um, and, and I do like to be social and stuff, but for the most part, I really do just want to stick to myself but once you do get to know me i really do open up but there's a lot of parts in sam that i feel is me like if i really do have something to say i have no problem saying it (laughs) like i'll just and it's not really an aggressive way it's um it it, most mostly it's just tactless but it's um i mean (laughs) 
No, that's true. Kalina witnesses it all the time, and I don't but not mean it to be rude. Not that Sam. She yeah. just says what she means, and she just says what she's what she's, she's very, feeling. Yeah, and she's very blunt and to the to the point in that. So I've, I'm I feel myself as a as, as Zo- a little Zoe Sam. Zammy. <laughs> well, Zoe that would make Sandal. me that would make me Sam one hundred percent. there's if there's one I relate to most mm-hmm. is Sam. Definitely Sam. Yeah. She's just. She tells it like it is. She does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She tells it like it is. I like her. I like her personality. I made Sam after one of my best friends, after a mix of my friends. And they're both very, very blunt and very, maybe they speak before they think, but mm-hmm. that's what makes them adorable. Because, mm-hmm. you know, they're the type of women that can tell you, listen, I really don't like your boyfriend. Yeah. And you're cool with it, and you're cool with it, mm-hmm. and you still love them, and mm-hmm. they can tell you anything, and you can tell them anything in return, and nothing's going to change the relationship you have because you love each other. Right. Well, yeah, that's good. Yeah. I think that's the beauty of friendship as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think I fell in love with that part mostly. I think that was probably my favorite thing in the beginning of or of this book is the friendship that you've got because you usually have like you know the main character and obviously this book is this one is about Zoe and Jasper but things are gonna expand as you write the series but I always love it when one there's girl power and two there's a group of really close-knit friends that are just always there for each other no matter what their difference is there was an age gap between Emma and uh Sammy and or Sam and Zoe um which was that's amazing that's not something we read about either and so Clayton and I as best friends, we have Emily, who is somebody we always talk about on our podcast. She's our third. And yes. so like, yeah. you know, and then we have a other, a close group of friends, but it's really always just the three of us. The three of us. And we're just, um, I don't know. It took me to that place where I was just it like, was. these are my girlfriends and it I was. love them. <laughs> Absolutely. I know. I loved it too. Cause it really, it did. It reminded us like not exactly the three of us, but no, not but exactly just the that. way they came together for each other mm-hmm. and jumped right yeah. into like, Hey, there's aliens and we got to fight <laughs> and, save this, and save this. And they're all like, that's fine. Let's save Zoe. Let's save Sam. Yes. Let's go Let's get them. That, that's very cool. I actually wanted to ask you some mm-hmm. questions as well, because I'm now writing Found in Amber, which okay. is the second one. Mm-hmm. What do you expect to see in the second installment, in the second book of the series? I want to know who Alex falls in love with. <laughs> oh, wow. This is interesting. Did you like Alex? I, I loved Alex. I did. I liked Alex. <laughs> At first, he was like, oh, my God, this guy's a dick. But then you, when you build his character, and he's he has more dialogue, and he starts to interact with the group more, you're like... Alex is a good guy. He was funny. <laughs> I was think his funny. like dry wit, mm-hmm. his dry alien yeah. sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> I did like yeah. him. I you know I like those aloof. I, like if I was any of the guys, I'd be Alex. Yeah, it's true. Like you he works alone in his space. He doesn't want to <laughs> share his space with anyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like people yeah. interrupting him bother him. And it's just like <laughs> you are. Let, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> like perfect. So I really do like Alex. So I, I want I want him to be 
You would be because Rufus forgot everything. Well, you'd be the first Rufus, not when we re- not the not I'd the new the Rufus. Cl- yeah, I'd be the clumsy, bumbling, tripping on the floor. That's the one not eating a cat. Yeah. Rufus, I love Rufus. Like I think I would say Rufus is my favorite. We love Rufus. We really need Rufus we, to get. We need him to come back. We need. We, we, I'm very sad with how we left Rufus. I'm like, I hope he gets back because I don't. the The Rufus we met in the final battle scene was very upsetting to. We were so, we were so I want I want the old Rufus back. Yeah, we love the old Rufus. <laughs> so well, I, I want think... I want a happy ending for Rufus and Mia. Yeah. All right. Mia that's is like noted. <laughs> I I'm, like. I'm taking you guys seriously. I mean it. <laughs> I'm writing it down. Happy ending for Mia and Rufus. Yeah, I think that both of them deserve it. Obviously, Mia's been through some terrible, terrible stuff. The fact that I think her focus is on, you know, saving Rufus and she's not broken by all of the stuff that's happened to her. She has an inner strength that's carrying her through, which like some of the stuff that's just the worst you can imagine being, you know, kidnapped and altered and changed and abused the way she was by uh, Beck. So I want her, yeah, I want her character to, you know, carry that strength through and then I want to see a happy, happy day for her at the end. Whenever that is, it may not be your next book or whatever future yeah. future books, but yeah, she needs she deserves it. No, I think it. I think you're getting it, eh? I think you're getting it. You're very close to getting it. Well, good, definitely. I loved Rufus as well. I'm. I have to. I need a happy ending for Rufus, definitely. Mm-hmm. And Mia. Yeah. What else was the twist at the end? Something you expected? Not for me. <laughs> yes. I I completely missed it. But I mean, all of our <laughs> listeners would know. Say, let duh, she wouldn't get it. But I, I completely. I, I never expected. I didn't see it coming at all. I had two options. <laughs> James was either going to be an alien or he was going to be the guy in a coma who we hadn't met yet. But I just firmly <laughs> didn't believe that, that that there was a way where he could just you know, move out and drop out of her life and not come back in the story. I was just like, if this guy never comes back, I'm going to be real confused. (laughs) (laughs) So I knew he was going to come back. I just wasn't sure. It was like, he's either the alien or he's the other altered man that we, we don't know yet. Whose name I forget? Yeah, the one that's in a coma. I don't think. Well, he had just come out of a Mark. coma at the end. What? Mark. 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 Yeah. Mark. So I wasn't sure which one it was going to be, but I knew James was coming back. So when he showed up as, as a 10, I was like, all right. Not surprised. <laughs> I was like, why is Zoe saying James' name in the middle of a battle? What is going on? <laughs> oh, wow. So she got it. But you, 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 have got to, you have to understand. I mean, our personalities are so, we're just so different. In I it. mean, no, it's, you know, because I would, I was afraid it was too predictable, but you're just confirming it was not, and I'm thankful. No, <laughs> you know? I think. No, I think it could go either way. I didn't think he... I, I was like, oh, he left. All right, see you later. Like, I'm good riddance to you, James. You hurt my girl. Like, <laughs> I don't want to see you again either. Like, like I was done with him. And then when he came back in, I was like, no. Why is he back? <laughs> but it, it was a good twist. Like, it's it just... It, it got me, obviously. But, like, I was like, oh, my goodness. How did this happen? But it was good. It was a good... It, you got me. <laughs> oh, that, that's fabulous. That is fabulous. So do you expect the story, the following story to happen still on our planet to take it somewhere a bit further? Or I'm, I would expect it to go to op at some point. Yeah. Um, I also would enjoy meeting some other aliens. 
if oh, that's yeah. a possibility. Because as far as I understand it, the Alliance has 150 some planets in it. Yeah. And not oh my all God. of them. Like your memory is something <laughs> out of this she, world. She, I know. You should write a she, book about that brain. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. This is why we have her on the show. Otherwise it'd be me forgetting I'm everything. <laughs> So you're, yeah. you're, you are out of this world. <laughs> so, so yeah. And right now we've only met Optins, which is just yeah. one kind of, of the Alliance, one member of the Alliance, right? Yeah. There's other there alien other. members yeah, of yeah, the yeah. Alliance. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah I think yeah, yeah, it would be neat to see what some of the other ones are like, but you know, that's just an idea. If it doesn't happen, I won't be upset. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you have so many places you can go now. Like, you've yeah. built a world that you have a lot open to you. You we, can take yeah, it anywhere. Uh, I mean, it's oh. nice to know what you guys are expecting because, <laughs> you know, the adventure continues yes. uh, to unravel a, a scheme of cosmic proportions <laughs> for book two. Cool. So I'm counting on that. I'm yeah. counting on that. We like endings. Not like to have a series completely end, but we do <laughs> like when things wrap up. So if there is a part of a story that wraps up on Earth and then moves out into space or into a different planet or somewhere else, then that would be cool too. But for me personally, open-ended stories kind of drive me crazy. <laughs> I understand. But you if it goes back perfectly. to it and continues on from there, then I'll understand why. Mm-hmm. It just takes me a while. It takes me a little bit longer. I don't, <laughs> I don't understand. Uh, like, there's something in reading a book or having a book read to you that processes in my brain completely differently. So um, Kalina has always been... <laughs> She graduated third in our class, so like it's it's just wow. <laughs> yeah, she's <laughs> it's it's all brains here. But I uh, love brains. Well I uh, I would love a a story in a different planet. I think that would be awesome. Meet mm-hmm. different types of paranormal creatures. Yeah, different aliens. Mm-hmm. We'll see what they're up to. I think yeah. I'm taking Zoe to meet the parents. Ooh, Ooh. <laughs> that would be weird. Yeah. That would be weird. Because, I mean, so much of this book was about how this was not allowed. And for it to be like, well, we're going to break all the rules and bring Earthling off to the Alliance. That'd be neat. Let's do it. Let's do it. it. So I know. So listen, I have another question. I'm sorry. I just need to ask you questions as well. You know, you have a section called the Clit Notes. (laughs) Yeah. Who came up with that name? We both, so one of our recordings we were talking about if you want to come to our show or listen to us talk about these books, we really just give a synopsis and we talk in detail about it. We give the Cliff's Notes versions of books. And so we were talking about whether Cliff's Notes were even still a thing because we used a lot of Cliff's Notes in high school. And so uh, I don't know, it was just one of those whimsical things. It was middle of a recording. Middle of a recording. Cliff's Notes. Like, we don't give Cliff's Notes, we give Cliff's Notes. And we thought we were brilliant and funny. And <laughs> then we forgot well, it about is. it. And we did. We it forgot is. about it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So now we try to remember to say that. Yeah. So now we write it down before we even. So, yeah. So we, uh, and Kalina, and Kalina does that because if Selat did Cliff's Notes, oh my goodness, that'd be bad. But, um, uh, so she does, so she just gives the synopsis, the Cliff's Notes version a, of it. a quick synopsis quick, of the book. Yep, yeah. Before we get into. Well, our hope, like when we very first created the podcast, my idea, you know, what I thought would happen is I thought people who read the books would listen to us. We have now talked to a lot of our audience and they aren't reading the books with us. <laughs> 
they're just listening to us, which is fine too. But I was like, read the books, <laughs> read the books. They are because then then it's like a it's a story or it's a it's a conversation. Like they've read it, they know what we're talking about, and so far though we it's haven't. Wonderful because your voices are really are very compatible, and they go Thank very you. well together. So it's it's relaxing listen. It really it really is listening to you guys. So it's it's a lot of fun. Thank I've been you. listening to a lot of podcasts as well, mm-hmm. and I love it. And I haven't read any of the books oh, to be honest with all you. All right, <laughs> but I but I love listening to you guys. Well, good. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> A yeah. lot, lot. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we and I mean, and the other reason why is we really just want to promote the authors that we're we're reading and for people to jump into these books, whether well, or not we like them. You know, we want them to, you know, do to that too. bring this genre out of mm-hmm. the shadows. You know, too many for so many years. You know, women read romance, and it's it's their books that we don't talk about. They're never on the charts. They're never, you know, they're. You talk about Dean Koontz, you talk about Tom Clancy, you know, those are the popular mm-hmm. writers of, of, I don't know. And then... <laughs> You're taking girl power to the next level well, yeah, as well. I mean, that's, that's kind of how we, we started this is, I've been reading them my whole life, and I was sharing my Audible account with Saylet, and I was like, okay... You can have access to it because I have like 200 some audiobooks and it's ridiculous and I want other people to be able to access them too. And I was like, but don't judge me on some of my books because I was like, ah, there's a lot of romance in there. There's a lot of paranormal romance and I'm, I don't want you to judge me. And she immediately listened to them. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and then her husband came and told me, he's like, that's the best oh, thing ever. Oh, your husband is ever present, isn't he? <laughs> oh, yeah. yes. He is the topic of a lot of our discussions. And yeah. he like, he basically thanked me. He was like, thank you. Those books were awesome. Because apparently it gave Sayla <laughs> ideas. <laughs> and I was oh, like, wow. all right. And then she's like, oh, yeah. And she reads the Anita Blake series. And she's like, oh, I read that. You know, Dan and you read it together. And I was like, why? Why did I, one, need to tell my best friend not to judge me for my reading? That's crap. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't have to. I didn't feel guilty about it because there's nothing guilty, about, you know, about these books. And no. it's Salette, my best friend, who wouldn't judge me for shit anyway. <laughs> and two, why do we both read these kind of books and never talk about them? We talk about all the other things we read, mm-hmm. you know, but we don't talk about this. So it shouldn't. So we're trying to bring it out of the closet. It's not shameful. It's not. Oh, it is out of the closet, all right. Yeah, so... And it better be, because, you know, it's great, and you're never supposed to let your friends do silly things alone. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So, yeah, so we wanted to share that. And, you know, we went to a, a romance book convention, and there's, like, 600 people there. Like, all of these people of all varying, like, women, men, ages, you know... All of it. And the, everyone's reading these books and, you know, it's starting to get talked about more and we have to just be like, look, we own this. These are fun books. And romance is human. Mm-hmm. It's what makes, like, it's relationships. It's relationships I between love it. people. And that's basically what makes us human is our relationships. So it's not so something you, to be embarrassed say, <laughs> You'd say you have more of a preference toward, let's say, paranormal romance more than romance in general. That's my personal preference. I th- okay. When I read contemporary, it feels a little too real because the you know those are just 
women and men that you could meet on the street. And I don't know, I want an extra remove when I'm reading romance. So I like to get that extra fantasy layer to just make it, that makes it more comfortable for me. I get a little hung up when the characters are just bankers or motorcycle or, you know, it's just... I mean, I think we need a little pizzazz, a little magic, yeah, so, so, yeah. little I, something out of this world to exactly. rock the boat. I, to me, so that's my preference. Sayla hasn't read any contemporary, right? No, I haven't. But the little scripts that I do write on my own are all contemporary. Like, nobody knows I'd this yet, but Kalina some. and I are, we're going to collaborate on something that we think we can write, and that's going to be more paranormal, but... All oh of the my god, I can't wait and... to read it. <laughs> it's far Huge. from me. That's like way too <laughs> But um but some of the stuff that I've written and I haven't written like a full complete story or anything yet, but I do have a lot of plots and scenes and um characters that have been built out, but they're all just people that do yeah. regular things and not not yeah. um animals. We have a plan <laughs> to read some contemporary for yes. Silhouette. So we're gonna like expand on our podcast as it stands right now where we're only doing paranormal romance and, and kind of throw in another book here and there that's in a different genre like I'd, I'd like to read a historical romance mm-hmm. read a contemporary just because that gives you I a mean, point of reference outlander, outlander Out- is amazing <laughs> exactly outlander mm-hmm. or just you know then we have a little bit more comparison we can talk about say like can experience it you mm-hmm. know uh, so we'll probably expand over time but yeah my comfort zone really is the paranormal I really love those books <laughs> i like when people it's an extra power. level of escapism yeah i think and it, it's so much fun yeah it's just so much fun i love it yeah so right. that makes three of us i think <laughs> good <laughs> all right all right well, so yeah thank I you think... guys so much yeah thank you're you welcome. so much this you. was this was a lot of fun for me and it was a lot of fun finding out what you liked about Lost in Amber because, mm-hmm. now, you know, I still have a lot to learn. I promise I'm going to get better after all, <laughs> you yes. know. It's always the goal. <laughs> we all just want to get better at things. So I think that's... We want to yeah. get better at this podcast. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> We're always learning. You like this, our learning. very first Skype <laughs> interview. Yeah. We're learning things all oh, the time. Uh-huh. I think that's the best way to live life. So, no. Yeah. Very high. You've never had such a time difference, have you? No. No. <laughs> all of our all of our interviews have been in person. Mm-hmm. So this is our first no. Yeah. This is our first interview of, you know, not in person. So yeah. And I think it's gone really well. I think so too. Thank you so much Thank for joining. You. Um if you do you, you have any ending credits that you wanna say? Um, do you wanna give value? Well, I just I just wanna give a shout out maybe to all the rest of the indie authors or people in the writing industry who are starting out or who are struggling to promote their business, I would love to interview you and promote you. So one of the things I do, I am a, of course, I'm a digital marketing specialist. This is my day job. So I handle a lot of author branding and a lot of websites and SEO and backend nerdy stuff. But I also like to promote authors, book cover designers, beta readers, editors, anyone who's interested in being serious about what they do. So if you too are a member of the writing industry, some way, somehow, I'd love to interview you and promote your work. And if you're curious about all the process from writing to publishing, there is a section on my blog speaking directly about this. So I try to simplify things as well for the upcoming author to have it easy because there's a lot of info online, but none for the very, very beginner 
who does not know what trim size is and formatting and the right font and so on and so forth. So yeah, check me out. Awesome. Great. All right. Thank well, you so much. Thank you. And uh, we'll be putting this up real soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll let you know when it happens. And yeah. thank, <laughs> thank you. you. This was so much fun. Thank you so much. <laughs> and, this uh, was a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you guys a lot. Have a wonderful rest of the morning. <laughs> yes. and, uh, good evening to you. you. Have a good night. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And I will have a great evening. Yes. Awesome. All right. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank Stay you. Posted, right? Mm-hmm. All Be right. Good. Enjoy. Bye. And now welcome back All to right. Real Time. Thank you guys for joining us for the interview with Esther. Um, if you're listening, Esther, thank you so much. We oh. had so much fun with you. Such a great interview. Yeah, it was, uh, even with the time difference, was it wasn't such a bad thing. And it was late enough in the morning that I wasn't <laughs> such a crabby pants so <laughs> yeah it worked out really well I was really proud of us for figuring out Skype <laughs> I know <laughs> it was our first time <laughs> that was although the audio in Skype didn't it work was out terrible, the but... way that I wanted it to <laughs> thank god for backup recording because exactly. that is what we did uh, we had to use that but it sounds so. good well sounds yeah okay. all right so this is Still, we're still talking about Esther's book, uh, Lost in Amber. We thought we'd go and give you a couple of our standard uh, segments after the fact, since, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't want to bog down the interview with us blabbering. We <laughs> wanted to hear more about Esther <laughs> and her book. Mm-hmm. So here you guys go. We're going to do a real fast clits notes in case you didn't pick it up from the interview. Uh, this book is... A story of aliens and earthlings <laughs> getting to know each other, basically. It, we've got Jasper is uh, the ambassador from Opt mm-hmm. uh, and the Interplanetary Alliance of some sort. And he comes to Earth to kind of clean up a mess that the prior ambassador had left. Uh, he meets Zoe, who is one of the altered humans. The you know the prior ambassador had been messing around with humans' DNA and and genetics and altering them, and about 42 people died, and uh, four or five were left altered. And so the uh, opt and optins optins are trying to kind of clean up that mess and put Earth back because they're not supposed to be interfering at this stage in our development. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he meets Zoe and uh, sparks start to fly, even though he's got all of these alien, you know, genetic enhancements that are not supposed to let him, you know, feel these kind of things beyond a certain, like his, his duty t- is supposed to come first. And instead, he's really attracted to Zoe and her awesomeness. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's kind of the, the love story that's developing. And there's some side characters, Zoe's friends and the other opt-ins that are there. They're trying to save, uh, at first they have to save Sam, one of Zoe's friends, because she gets kidnapped. And then they have to save Rufus because he gets left behind. He's another one of the altered humans. And uh, it's kind of a battle between the doctor. <laughs> it's Guys, a battle. Short. It's I an tried. alien battle. No, that was all right. It was an alien <laughs> battle between the opt. Well, I guess they're all opt-ins. But then there's like Jasper's group and then there is Entians? Etienne's? Etienne, yeah, Etienne's, Etienne's group who ends up being James or James ends up being Etienne who is yeah. the guy who dumped Zoe at the beginning of the book which is obviously you guys have just listened to us talk about this. But it's two alien groups. Yeah. fighting each other on earth 
Yeah. So trying to yeah yeah. So we take a turn. I mean, like this is a sci-fi mm-hmm. book, yeah. and I really really appreciated Esther explaining to us paranormal romance and, <laughs> and, and how sci-fi can still fit yeah. into that because it's just it's people mm-hmm. with altered superhuman abilities. Abilities. Like, yeah. Pair of normal or not pair of normal. <laughs> paranormal. <laughs> abilities. Just abilities above and beyond yeah. what your humans can do. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think it was really neat and really liked the book, like the whole idea behind it and yeah we had a great time talking to esther about it so that's the book hopefully you guys have read it if not go get it it's great yeah (laughs) (laughs) and then um yeah so now moving on that was our clits notes (laughs) yeah so there were a couple of topics obviously we can't put all of the questions that we had for esther in one interview that would take too long but there are a couple things that we wanted to talk some yeah afterwards there are a couple of topics that we you know that we're going to talk about that we didn't get to talk about in the interview yeah so one of the important things and this both of these subjects really so there's two things both of these subjects sort of it's taking us to a more serious level yeah of uh, serious topics and i think they're very important Mm -hmm. um the first one we kind of wanted to touch on in this book pretty early in this book there's a a scene that takes place in the shower between trent trenton beck Mm. dr beck yes dr beck and, and Mia. Mia. Prior to this, we had seen Mia working with Dr. Beck, and so it kind of looked like maybe she was on his side and trying to alter these humans, doing all these genetic testings that were leading to people being dying and all that. And then in this scene, she's taking a shower, and he enters and, and joins her. And what maybe comes off as consensual sex at the beginning kind of devolves at the end into, like, oh, was that so mm-hmm. consensual? I mean, he, like, drops her to the ground afterwards and leaves her, you know, in a ball on the floor of her shower. Yeah. And then later, Mia starts talking to Sam about Trenton. And, and it is Trenton, right? I it's think not it just is. Trent. Trent Beck. Trenton Beck. <laughs> I now think I'm confusing. It is. Let's just call him Beck. Beck. Dr. Beck. <laughs> about being raped by Dr. Beck. Mm -hmm. And I know we've had problems in the past with certain books that we have labeled rapey. Yes. (laughs) Because we have not appreciated the (laughs) lack of open consensual mm-hmm. you know intercourse between the characters and none of those were actual rape scenes and this is our first actual rape scene so right. i think we have to talk about it mm-hmm. because we wouldn't be doing our jobs if we didn't yeah, yeah i mean so the, thoughts it, it, this one approached us in a different way though because i think there's an important way to portray these type of scenes and i think esther hit it hard on the head the nail hard on the head the nail on the head what i don't know what is she the did term? one of those things she did a good <laughs> job with writing this scene i think because it it was towards the middle and end of the scene where after he has raped her she drops to the ground and she curls herself into a ball and she's going through her emotions and you don't feel those emotions or hear those emotions until later like kalina just said when she explains it to sam she's like I was just a regular normal person that was kidnapped and I've been raped and beaten and I've been battling this altered and poked and probed and all of this stuff. She's the most serious of all of the characters, Mm -hmm. but she has something to fight for and she's fallen in love with Rufus. But the story that Mia tells to Sam later on in the book is very important and she, you could see her emotions through the writing of it and you can see how she's grown from it. And she talks very openly about being raped and Mm -hmm. about being abused and the reason why she needs to fight and the reason why she is the way she is, you know. So Mm -hmm. this is, it wasn't abrasive. Mm -hmm. Like, the scene wasn't written abrasively. It wasn't meant to be sexy. Mm -hmm. It wasn't meant to be... But it also, yeah, it wasn't also meant for shock value. Right. It really did sneak up on you. It did. 
too often right now in current cultural, like in movies and TV and, you know, things that we get exposed to, rape is used as a tool by authors, directors, as it either is the impetus for the male actors Mm -hmm. to uh, seek vengeance vengeance and go on, you know, killing sprees to avenge their wives or girlfriends Mm -hmm. or daughters or just women in their lives. It gives them agency to go do something because this Mm -hmm. woman was raped. Or in some of the uh, rape vengeance movies, the women, after the fact, you know, go on like those training montages becoming the most badass women and then kill everybody who's wronged them. Mm -hmm. There's a lot that can be said for either version. Mostly my problem is with the rape as an act of agency for men. Right. (laughs) That allows them Mm -hmm. to then, you know, save the day, taking all agency away from women, which is what rape does anyway. So in this book, that's not the case. Like this happens. She kind of evolves a way of handling her situation. Like Mia realizes pretty early on that she's not going to get out of there and they can't, they want her to use her powers. And if she doesn't, they're going to just keep hurting her. And so she kind of starts to find out how she can work with them and also save herself. Mm -hmm. And she meets Rufus and this gives her something else to look forward to externally. And then she figures out she can save, she can try to save Rufus. And then once Sam gets there, she tries to save Sam. And she doesn't play a victim. She just, it's just part of her life. Mm -hmm. It's something she's gone through and she's dealing with it and making choices to move forward. Yeah. Are they easy? No. Is she going through a lot of stuff? Yeah, Mm -hmm. she is. There's a lot here. And, you know, at one point she's trying to run off by herself because she doesn't want to wait anymore for everyone else to help her because she's trying to save Rufus. He's back in the facility and um, she just thinks everyone's waiting around too much and she doesn't want, she can't do that anymore. She has to be active. And and so she's going to run off by herself, even though that's pretty much a suicide mission. Yeah. yeah. Um, And gives back exactly what he wants, which is all another one of the altered humans back. Yes. Because um, I don't know if we said it, but she's an altered human. Yeah. And so I just really appreciated how nuanced and like subtle mm-hmm. this was. I mean, it's not easy <laughs> to discuss yeah. those topics and to do it in a way that it's not just a tool to try and transition your characters. Yeah, because she, she wrote the, the scene descriptively and gave Mia and Trent emotions and dialogue within it. And it wasn't until later in the book that we found out actually what that scene actually meant. So to tie those scenes together was actually really gracefully written. That's it, yeah. Yeah, it was gracefully written and it makes Mia grow more as a character because for me at first that's just like Mia is just she's just there to kick some ass because she needs to get on with her life but there's a story behind her and we talked with Esther about the whole girl power thing and the, the three best friends and stuff like that and the moment that she has with Sam while she's explaining this is a very important and I think pivotal moment in her life because she was a college student she's barely growing you know she's she's still learning about who she is but she gets to talk about that with somebody who would mm-hmm. sit and listen and that's an important thing to have it's important whether it's your best friend or whether it's an anonymous hotline or a therapist or or anything like that it's important to be able to find somebody that you can talk to about it when you're ready to talk about it mm-hmm. because it's not something that well and i'm sorry i'm not speaking from experience or anything like that but i think that it is an important thing to to have somebody be there for you mm-hmm. if you need them whether it is to talk 
or whether it's just to be there with you, mm-hmm. you know. And she found that in Sam. She, I think she f- she would have found that in any of the girls. Mm-hmm. So that's a. An important I think thing. it was key that it was Sam because Sam had seen her acting the part of assistant to Dr. Beck. Right. Like when Sam had been kidnapped, That's true. Mia came in and was like part of, at, at that time in Sam, in the timeline, Sam saw her as part of the kidnappers. She yeah. was working with this guy and she was, she had on, like, we also learn about Mia that while she's helping, kind of helping them, they provide her with all kinds of benefits. Like she gets designer clothes and fancy makeup and she gets her, her entire body tattooed to cover up the scars that they're giving her, mm-hmm. to, you know, and the bruises that they constantly put on her. So she's kind of created an alternative persona during this timeline. Yeah. Um, she is, she's just wearing things she would never normally wear. She's got her hair in like a 40s beehive. I mean, she's doing this because this, it's easier to inhabit this space as if it's not her. It's right. this other person. So I think it's very important that she gets that chance to open up to Sam because, well, at this point, in the, you know, at that point in the story, Sam now no longer thinks Mia was working with him because she mm-hmm. ha- Mia helped save Sam yeah. with her portaling skills. But it's still important that Mia gets to kind of share that fact with somebody who saw her in her alternate you yeah. know, guise as, oh, I'm, I'm, help- I'm being helpful. Mm-hmm. I'm working with him. But really, here's the backstory. I was in a situation that had no outs, no choices. And mm-hmm. the only way I could you know, help myself was just make them think I was helping. Yeah. Well, and it was to, it was to save Sam and to save herself and mm-hmm. her family. They'd already killed her father. Yeah. They killed her father. Yeah. So and threatened her mother. And threatens her mom. So, so it's... So fuck off. This yeah. Is, oh, that was... <laughs> yeah, there was some... Uh, the, that other group, Etienne's and, and Beck's group, are really bad people. Or aliens. They're really bad aliens. Well, Etienne was an alien. Beck is just a human who apparently has no conscience. <laughs> because once he started working with Beck, he just... <laughs> fucking was like yeah let's kill people and threaten people all for our objective for yeah whatever Which i think these is not the greatest but experiments so yeah i um i thought that was a uh, an important topic to touch on mm-hmm. while we were reading that book and all of our listeners know before that but we're like if this book is rapey we are not reading this but it was written in a way that it, it sort of helps you understand well and it's so different story. than our problems with the other ones yeah it's just <laughs> the books that we had issues with it they weren't rape they just weren't what i would like to think of as consensual sure. they just were hard they just were like i don't want to be in an intimate act in that in those mm-hmm. situations i don't i didn't believe that I would be, you know, it mm-hmm. just was hard to read because I didn't like the way that the characters were interacting with each other. Yeah. They were fighting and antagonistic in a in a time when they yeah. should be not during sex. But yeah, and and well, and Mia's story is different. Like we don't. And this is completely we, different. It's completely different. <laughs> she we don't, wasn't in love with. No, she wasn't Beck. in love. And also, this wasn't the, her first sexual experience with him. He'd been raping her for a while. Yeah, we. I don't know so, exactly how long, but yeah, yeah, some, so, some time. You he, know, this and has it's been his thing and. I'm sure at first she just fought him tooth and nail because she's a really strong character. She's a yeah. really strong person. But at some point, you're just defeated after they've killed your father and well, you're locked threatened up. your mom. And you have been fundamentally yeah. altered at your genetic level. <laughs> yeah. You're no longer the person you were mm-hmm. before. Like, I just don't even know how you wrap your head around that. Like, they take you and they change 
who you are. Yeah. And then on top of it, beat you and abuse yeah. you and rape you. And it's just oh, like, yeah. holy shit. She should be a mess. And she, she is should handling be. things quite well, I think. She should be. She's doing a really good job. Well, she's no bullshit, though. I mean, she really was just like, all right, guys, we need to get off our asses and fucking get to what we need to be doing. Yeah. So I appreciate Mia as a, as a character, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, so... That's one thing we wanted to The other one is uh, obviously not as serious, but I think it's something um, important to touch about, which is about, uh, in particular, Zoe's self-esteem when she was going through the breakup with James. And, I mean, while he had, like, just completely disappeared with all of his stuff, there was a lot of um, internal things that she was going through, struggles, and she was blaming herself for a lot of what was happening. Um, mm-hmm. Like, when he had left, she there were things that, and I can't... Of course, I can't think of specifics, but there there were times where she was just like, of course he would leave because I this, or he left because I that. And I think it's a an important thing to remember that people don't leave because of you, they leave because of them. Because if yeah. they really want to be with you, then they would help you either overcome what it, whatever it is that you need to work on with yourself, or to be a better person, or even to grow, or, or anything else. If they're willing to stay and love you and work with you with that then they're going to be there for you but if they can't within themselves stay in that relationship because they can't handle you then that's them that is not you you shouldn't blame yourself and keep putting yourself down for especially if you think you've been in a really good relationship and you've been the the best girlfriend or whatever and then he just ups and leaves that's it's not healthy to keep putting yourself down and making yourself think that you are the person to blame Mm -hmm. yes and i also think that that's another good reason to have good girlfriends yeah i'd also say just you're not wrong it's just that in zoe's defense it is only like day three (laughs) or four of the brain like Mm -hmm. of literally coming home to him being gone yeah like his stuff gone and him not answering his phone or responding to you in any way shape or form so that's I can see how I'd be like, well, what the fuck? <laughs> I would say what the fuck, too. But I think I w- um, but but would you start immediately blaming yourself for? Well, I would definitely not have like three day long cry sessions listening to Stain. <laughs> yes. That's not me personally, Stain. but I can understand how that can be somebody, you know, and I don't know. I think it's the lack of community. Like, obviously, we know what happened in the end. Yeah. <laughs> it's in. Is James. James is, so he's an alien and it's all, you know, he didn't really just leave. He had to because he was trying to. Well, he says he he, was trying to protect her. Yeah. A bunch of shit. Uh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Like that kind (laughs) of takes us into, yeah. But yeah, no, you're right. Like (sighs) breakups are hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, they just are because you're putting yourself out there emotionally with another person and that can go any number of ways. And that's going to be emotional and mm-hmm. yes but you know she did take it extremely to heart that it was like somehow her fault and and i think that if someone literally just disappears on you it's probably not your fault they're crazy <laughs> or they've been kidnapped you should investigate <laughs> i think maybe that would like i think it's the missing stuff that led her to you know yeah. really sold her that he had left whereas if he just never showed up again you would obviously assume always... he was dead somewhere right right, right. i would I'd be yeah. like, well, obviously he died. And <laughs> <laughs> why would he not talk to me anymore? That's weird. Yeah, I mean, and you're right about, like, the healing process and the time it takes. I mean, everybody heals differently and, and, yeah. and recovers differently from breakups and stuff. And, and you're right, it was only, like, a couple of days. But she did have a lot of moments that, and, and I related, 
in a sense, or at least I pitied, or I was trying to help her because, like I said in this like in this book, I am a Zoe. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to reach out and like hug her and say, "Dude, fucking relax." Like, I mean, obviously, I can't tell you how to feel, but you have to understand that you are a, like you're just a better person, and you may be a better person for this not being with him or whatever. So it's well, and I think it's important to highlight. I mean, she's very young; she's mm-hmm. only. 26 25 or 26 yeah and so that's it's still in that age i think where people get very like wrapped up in like losing their identity in relationships Mm -hmm. it can be not always obviously um and the older you get the i think the easier it is to understand that that's not healthy and it, it did seem to me very much like almost from the beginning when she met him that they too quickly became codependent (laughs) yeah so i mean my first thought as soon as she was describing like what happened in their relationship and i was like how are you gonna afford your apartment and that would have definitely trumped (laughs) him being gone in my mind because it definitely it did not sound like she had the ability at all to live in that place without him (laughs) she's a teacher right and that apartment sounded nice it did it sounds super (laughs) nice Fully furnished with French antiques? Are you (laughs) in London? Or wait, was it London? No, where was it? I wasn't. I thought it was here in the States. I think so too, but I got confused. I don't know what Because then they went to London. They they never said a city. They went to June. Anyway, yeah, they went to June. (laughs) But it doesn't matter regardless. (laughs) So yeah, I I think it's just, it's a smart lesson. But we kind of get to see it with the other characters. Mm-hmm. Um, with the way that uh, Sam reacts to Carlos leaving and dumping her, and the way that Emma Emma acts to her divorce Frank. with Frank, yeah. I think you know they all react a little bit differently, yeah. and they're different ages, and you can kind of get that sense of like a little bit a microcosm of how relationships grow over time, how people react to them over time, because mm-hmm. you do have more of a the older you get, I think the more like secure you are in your identity, or at least you should be. I know it doesn't well, happen for everybody. Buddy, sure. If you were 25 years old, would you hit somebody over the head with your heels? I mean, I probably wouldn't. No, but she did it when, and she's 38. Right, exactly. So at 38, you care less. That's true. <laughs> I still wouldn't do it in my lawyer's office because I feel like you're definitely going to get charged. That's true. <laughs> with a crime. As a lawyer. Just, I just think that that is office. like, they're going to have to testify against you. And you're like, fine. Um so, yeah. So no. But uh, yeah, no. Zoe needed to, and I think she started to find herself more. And I think she's getting that from Jasper too, because she's yeah. she's experiencing a kind of puppy love in a different way. Yeah. With Jasper than she did with Etienne slash James. Yeah, so. that's true. So, and that's a good growing process. And again, she's got her girlfriends there to mm-hmm. help her through all of this. So it's good. So yeah, I mean, those were two super serious topics well and then the just other one i wanted to touch on was would you kill 42 people Mm. and possibly more for the purpose of maybe saving the planet of the uh, person who you love (laughs) a billion years in the future (laughs) (laughs) that was a question that i I mean definitely 42 people for the whole galaxy because it's well yeah what his end goal is he's gonna start he's gonna destroy 150 some planets yeah 
So it's, in, it's gonna, his, his death toll is going to get higher if right. he succeeds with his ultimate plan. Mm-hmm. And somehow that's for Zoe. <laughs> <laughs> Who won't be alive. No, because the planet's not it's in like danger for like fucking two billion, billion years. years from now. Far, far, far away from I now. I just am like, what? <laughs> Does anyone else think that's <laughs> like, I mean. It's a great evil motive, sure. but it's crazy. It's crazy. That's not love, dude. <laughs> You're, what is wrong or with you? Maybe it is. Is that love? I don't want that. I know. Don't bring that love to my door. <laughs> I'm not having 150 planets worth of fucking human or intelligent life forms on my conscience mm-hmm. because you think that somehow saves me. <laughs> Fuck no. I don't even want the 42 on Earth that you killed. Yeah. You know? Like, no, no thanks. Sorry. No thanks. I'll take some flowers. (laughs) I would like some flowers. That's a nice gesture. That's good for me. You know, sometimes you could bring ice cream. I always appreciate that (laughs) if I'm not having a good day. Mm, I'm on my period. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Those are nice gestures. Don't go killing 42 fucking people. Don't need you to do that. (laughs) It's not love, dude. Mm -mm. So, yeah, I think... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Once you started piecing his whole plan together, you're like, what? <laughs> That's a good perspective, though. You're like, wait a minute. Hold on. Wait, does, uh, here's a question. Yeah. That I, we probably should have asked Esther. We'll email. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if once they become genetically engineered or altered, not engineered, mm-hmm. altered, do they live longer? Are they supposed to be able to live longer? Cause I, don't, I don't think that was anywhere in the book. Okay. I don't even think that the opt-ins have a particularly longer lifespan. I was wondering about that too. Nothing like that was mentioned. So okay. it could be a fact we don't know. It was more just that the... <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. They He's were obviously <laughs> deranged. I, there's no sol- there's no solving this. Well, there was that the bigger overarching issue about that galaxy joining the alliance or the planet joining the well, alliance. So, so yeah, in billion years to come that Enten, it would matter. Enten seemed to think that he had, for a fact, figured out that we weren't going to advance fast enough to join the Alliance Mm -hmm. before our galaxy ran into the other galaxy. Yeah. Which is two billion years away or something. And he's so, he's like, well, (laughs) I have to get you guys to advance faster (laughs) so that this fucking remote fucking problem (laughs) that has nothing to do with Zoe's lifespan. Here's an alternative, Etienne. Um, I have an option for you. Don't do fucking experiments and just live out. Oh, wait. No, I figured it out. I remembered now. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Esther, I'm sorry. I just remembered the other, the, the secondary shoe. The ambassadors don't stay on the same planets. That's right. They, they have on. like six months to a year or whatever. And that was what he was saying that he, he was, was about to protect to, her. Okay. He was about to have to move and mm-hmm. he didn't like it. <laughs> So, so preparing he did a bunch of other away. bullshit. Because, <laughs> yeah, I, I forgot that piece. That makes sense. Because otherwise, my uh, my solution was going to be like, just hunker down, don't don't alter humans, <laughs> and live out your life with Zoe till you both die. And newsflash, Ooh. the world's going to blow up anyway because we aren't taking care of it. That's a I, actually issue. <laughs> we are making it a hundred fucking years. So, let alone we're gonna go. We're going backwards here, billion. people. <laughs> yeah, right. It's not happening, like, dude. I have a more pressing issue. Could you help us fix this? Can you take all the plastic out of the oceans, please, <laughs> Mister Alien? Could Thanks. you bring back the jet stream? <laughs> we seem to have misplaced it. 
with methane. I feel like the dodo birds <laughs> are important to our ecosystem. I need you to bring the those guys back. The minute that they disappeared, things went south. Things just went bonkers. So, I mean, like, yeah, if you're going to start genetically fucking around with shit, where's our dodos? Bring back the dodo bird. <laughs> just all of this. I'm just like, wow, we have so many more short-term issues. We're literally going to kill ourselves yeah. long before yeah. our galaxy runs into another galaxy. We won't even be there. Just, or oh, our we sun will explodes be there. or right, whatever. Exactly. I'm yeah. like, dude, <laughs> please. But any, no, those are, those are no, we're just being non-serious silly. things. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, was, it is serious. Our plan is on fire. I mean, yeah. But <laughs> That's true the book issue. can go ahead and ignore that because it's, it's better that way. <laughs> oh, no, totally. Otherwise, yeah. Not every book can be about how we're about to implode. <laughs> That'd just be depressing and sad. And that's not why we read these no, books. That is not why we read we these books. We need to escape into a world <laughs> where maybe it's not on fire. I do have a favorite part of the book, though. Okay. It's towards the cool. end, where uh, so Zoe's memory and Emma and Sam's memories are erased. Well, not Zoe's. Emma. Well, they and, can erase Zoe's. Right. That's part of like the can't. side effect of her genetic altering. Right. So she doesn't forget. But Sam and Emma have their memories erased. So she wakes up and she's like, oh, my God, where is Jasper? Where are people? Where are this and where is that? And yeah. she's back into her, um, she's in apartment. her apartment. Her previous memory had been they were having a battle in space. Yes. And then she wakes up in her apartment. Uh-huh. And yeah. it's like, wow. Yeah. So she's, <laughs> so she's waking up and trying to figure everything out. And then finally she texts Sam and they're having a conversation and whatever. And then she or right. Is that right? Well, they came over. Sam and Emma came over in the evening. Because she had, they had found her scarf in their car. That's right. They came over, and she was passed. She has like fallen down the stairs. They think she had fallen down the stairs. Okay. And so they think she has a head trauma. Okay. And she starts raving about Jasper, and she goes to the apartment to try to find Jasper, and he's not in there, and no oh, one knows the, about right. him. The one upstairs, and yes. yeah, and and all okay. of that. But so they leave her. She she pretends like she's okay, but she's also like, I don't remember literally anything. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> in this new world, I knew there was a conversation they had with yeah, her. Yeah, that did, was in the evening. That's what it was. But then she did text Sam like in the morning or something, and said, "So by the way, what do I do for a living?" <laughs> and Sam says that she owns the phone. Fil- Oh, owns the falafel <laughs> next door with uh, I forgot his name, yeah. Samir. Samir, and then she's like, "Oh, gotcha." So she goes downstairs to the falafel shop, and he's talking to her, and she's like, "So, what should I help with?" And he's like, "Do you want falafel?" You? <laughs> <laughs> she like tries to get an apron, and is like, "You want me to make falafels?" And he, she, and he's like, "What the fuck?" And he's like, "Oh no, you lost your job." And she's like, "Oh, motherfucker." <laughs> Yeah, she just took she took Sam at her word and went down and tried to work at the falafel shop. That was fucking funny as hell. I loved it. It was. That, that was, was my favorite part. <laughs> if I ever get amnesia, I want you to tell me I work at a falafel shop. I will. I will. So do then that. I can be like, well, is it, it's like okay. that one time that I got really drunk. Oh yeah. And you had convinced me the next day I did a bunch of shit I didn't do. And I just believed you. She won fire. You said I lit a shoe on fire. And I was like, I believe you. (laughs) And I started to apologize for setting so much shoe on fire. (laughs) And then you were like, no, you didn't. And I was like, oh. Yeah, Um, I guess I don't do those kind of things, even when drunk. (laughs) Oh, my God. No, all you did was have a big dance party with yourself. It was amazing. (laughs) That is what I do more drunk. Yes, that is what you do. (laughs) But no, I mean, in those moments where you're like, 
I cannot remember the last evening. And you just take people at their mm-hmm. word. And if they tell you that you set people's shoes on fire, you go, I guess I am a bad person. Our podcast is this. <laughs> you telling me about the book we just read. Uh, so um, I live it every two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So I think we can do our fun fuck fact and then yeah. rate and yeah. close out. So going to be a little bit longer of an episode but it's all right our fun fuck fact for this episode is going to be from vox.com it's about the new american religion of ufos believing in aliens is like faith in religion and may come to replace it according to diana posulka a professor at the university of north carolina and author of the new book american cosmic Belief in UFOs and extraterrestrials is becoming a kind of religion, and it isn't nearly as fringe as you might think. More than half of American adults and over 60% of young Americans believe in intelligent extraterrestrial life. This tracks pretty closely with belief in God, and if Pasolka is right, that's not an accident. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah, people might uh, replace God with aliens. It just may happen. I have more belief in aliens than I do in God. Personally. I'm a, a skeptic about both of those, really. Well, yeah. I'm just... Uh, well, the existence of life, their ability to come in here and probe us, I don't necessarily believe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's true. Maybe not like the the mythical fairy tales or the misnomers or whatever it is mm-hmm. that we are creating within our own minds. Yeah. But I think it is a little bit naive, and this is why I am a Zoe, to not believe that there are other life in yeah, this... I think that's crazy. ...whole universe. It's, yeah. No, so, I don't get it. Yeah. All right. What do you <coughs> rate this book? Guess what I don't have up, guys. <laughs> just one guess. Just going to let you guess <laughs> once. Okay, so there wasn't any sex in this book, but the relationship between Jasper, who I love, yes. and Zoe is building very beautifully, very nicely. So, of course, we're going to get those in the next coming books. So I think I can give this one an eight. It's a super squishy on our mm-hmm. ratings. Mm-hmm. While it didn't get to to squishy, I think it was a very nice, beautiful, romantic build of a love scene. Like it's getting there between Jasper and Zoe. And I love love. So I am a fan of it. Well, and that bathtub scene where he's making the water like float around them and kissing her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're makeout scenes. It's pretty steamy. That takes it up a level. Yeah, Mm -hmm. It's not just, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it gets, it, that's fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I think an eight is very solidly right where this book is. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's a really good idea. I really enjoyed reading it and uh, something different for us. And then, yeah. I, you know, Zoe and, and Jasper's uh, relationship is just growing so well and so interestingly. And it's really mm-hmm. fun to watch. And it's and it's giving me uh, exciting thoughts for future <laughs> for them. Uh, yeah, I can't wait till their next story comes out so So guys it's been fun this is a like we said probably pretty long episode between the interview and our little (laughs) wrap-up bit here but thanks for listening do you have our next book i I do i closed that but yeah let me get back (laughs) into it because why would i have kept that open (laughs) (laughs) that would be silly why okay so for the next book we're going to read you slay me by katie McAllister, narrated by barbara rosenblatt is that another vampire flock it book? It is not. Oh. Slay me. I know. And it's, it's not vampires? not vampires. Well, there's a dragon. <gasps> I love and dragons. And demons. 
Ooh, dragons and demons. We haven't had dragons no. and demons. Not I'm together. pretty excited. I took a hard turn on this one, and if this one isn't funny, then the world is broken. Because <laughs> <laughs> all of the reviews about this and all of the like Said snippets, like this book sounds like a slapstick comedy. So if it's so. not, people are lying to me, well, and I no longer trust is, the internet. Was there a sizzling scale? Yes, it got it got sizzling. Ah! so excited i have yet to find a book that hits the end of their system scale in the oh my god omg category somebody tell us somebody look that up and i actually tried to look on audible's website to see if they just had like books by scale (laughs) because i was like that would be helpful give me all the books in this category and it i can't find it on there dear audible that's gonna be we talk about you guys in every single (laughs) episode episode. one you should pay us Can you make this happen to for us, please? To make this happen. So that'll be I'll, – I'll send them an email asking for that because yeah. I would like to be able to start on that. Yeah, because I want an oh my god. Yeah. But uh-huh. this one's smack in the sizzling middle of the scale, so we should get some pretty good sex. I hope so. With a demon dragon or something like that. Okay. I was just going to say something, but I'm not going to talk about Don't it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just censor so. yourself. It'll be fine. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, say that. I didn't say Too that. Too much shit. It's coming out of your mouth, and it needs not to. <laughs> so, all right, guys. So join us uh, in two weeks for that. And uh, until then, uh, you can reach out to us on all of our social media. It's Shh Dirty Books, and that's Shh with three H's. And that's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or shdirtybooks at gmail.com if you'd like to email us. And you can also get to all of those places from our website at shdirtybooks.com and find us on any podcast platform. And And don't forget Esther. You can go to her website. She has a blog where she interviews authors and book reviewers and us. (laughs) It was really fun when we did her her blog. Um, And that's Mm estherrabbit.com. So definitely check her out. Check out her book, her blog. It's really interesting. Yeah, we'll link all of that stuff. Yeah, that'll be on all our social medias and in the podcast notes. And quick shout out to Jim Townsend for our music that we've got going on here. So once again, thank you, Esther, for joining us. And thank you guys for coming on this adventure again. And we will see you guys later. Bye. Bye. Yeah, you've been listening to Reading Dirty Books with Galena and Salet. Be sure to tune into the next episode. Some more of your dirty books read to you. And if you're listening on a format... It allows you to give a rating. Please do that for them.